What's going on, world? Jack of all space, CLT, back like an encore. It's always good to be back with my brothers, but y'all know what it is. I'm the beloved one, DJ Spellman. To my left, we have the proud of Africa, Ken Wabibi. This is me, proud of Africa, Ken Wabibi. Shout out Libya. Shout out Libya. One time for Libya. To my right, Banks on the Beat. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Blue Water Banks. Banks on the Beat. Banks, all that. 3700. Some Boulevard, the hub. Yo, I like that you just ended, did the encore thing. You know, it's whole week still, so yes, you know, yes. I'm riding that out. Happy birthday, ho! You know, riding it out. <laughs> and today, our special guest, Mr. Kevin Black Pearl McCluskey. That's right. You said it right. <laughs> <laughs> Transparency. I had to ask before the interview. That's what a good person, a good interviewer, does. But people often forget, even when I tell them that. They oh, go really? Straight back to it. Yeah. So oh, nah. Look, I also put the little you right there just to remind myself. <laughs> Thanks for having me on here. I really nah. appreciate you guys inviting me. We appreciate you making time for us, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. We always start our podcast off by giving our guests their flowers. So we're going to run through your banner real quick, man. Uh, West Charlotte High School alum, by way of the east side. Right side. All right. Former drum captain. Father. Production credits on multiple tracks. Grammy nominated. Multi-platinum mixer and producer. Over 10 years in the hip-hop game, articles in Sound on Sound magazine and Culture magazine. Go ahead and talk to us about that, man. That's a, that's a <laughs> I really appreciate that. Yeah, for, uh, yeah, it's the, that's pretty much me as far as uh, accolades go. Mm-hmm. You know, but I am an avid, you know, uh, friend or uh, I like to experience things. So a lot of what I'm about is more like, having conversations with people, eating good food with people, having a drink with people. Um, and so, like, all these other things, on, on paper, they're really cool, but I really feel like I'm made up of a lot more things right now. Sure. Um, bad, bad. I'm very, very full at the moment with love and life and all those things. So um, I'm trying to spread that around, too, and not just the music stacks. Yeah, that's yeah. shit. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great way to start it off. Great way to start it off. So can you tell me, um, how did you come up with the name Black Pearl? So um, I didn't come up with the name okay. Black Pearl. I went to North Carolina Central University, yeah. and when I was there, um, I used to rock with a crew called, uh, they went by 5950 at the time, New Era, but they're uh, like Pope, uh, Briscoe, Flames, and there was a guy, <laughs> y'all know? Yeah, they yeah. went to high school with them cats. Young guys. Young guys. Young guys. Shout out, man. <laughs> I was hanging out with them like a week ago. We got pickled. So, oh, um, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so we were over at, they had a house right by Burger King, uh, if anybody's ever been to North Carolina Central's campus. But, um, and a buddy of mine was over there and we were just playing beats. And I, w- I was producing a lot at the time. And, and my buddy Joe was just like, hey, man, I'm going to call you Black Pearl. And I was like, all right. And he's like, I'm going to tell you what it means one day. And, like, we just haven't had that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I just ran with it. Uh, that's fire. <laughs> now, to talk about your process of work, uh, a lot of people just think you record a song, it goes out to the world, and, you know, it touches all these people. Like, can you talk about your process and what mixing and mastering is and how the process goes along of making a song before it comes out? Right. Um, so... Mixing and mastering is are like what makes it sound the way that you hear it. Mm. So when things are recorded, you have um, each individual track. So like a kick drum, a snare drum, a hi-hat, and then you have a bass and a guitar and keys. And I have to take all those things along with the vocals and make them 
work together and sound how you guys hear them. Now, the idea from a production or recording perspective is to get that as close as possible, but that doesn't, excuse me, that doesn't happen. Um, so the mixer is really the one that does the heavy lifting, gets it to sound how it sounds, and the mastering engineer um, typically will get it to the volume that you're used to hearing and fix any small adjustments that needs to be made. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's pretty much like your mixer, which is mainly what I do, gets it to sound how you hear it now. Okay. I think um, I've seen this process done before, actually doing production before. I've noticed, you know, your song can sound completely different when the right person gets to it. Oh, yeah. So I've heard that process before. And, um, you know, mixing engineers are um, kind of underlooked, in my opinion. Well, not if you're in the industry, you know that. But, yeah. you know, for, for globally, people don't really know sometimes. But um, it's a part of a strong lineage. you got Young Guru. you got 40, uh, who's Drake's engineer. Let me say Guru is Jay-Z's engineer. Um, you also have Manny Marroquin. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Um how did you get started in the line of work of mixing and mastering? Um, I think it just evolved. Uh, I've always been, I'd like to consider myself self-aware. So I would see, okay, production-wise, yes, my production is good and it's getting some notoriety within a local scene, but it's not really being grasped by the people that I want it to be as far mm-hmm. as if, you know, if we're talking about a, a career. So I would always say, well, I want to continue doing this, but let me see if I can monetize this so I don't have to work another job. So it would shift into maybe, you know, selling more beats or more doing, you know, uh, production on the side. Then it was recording. Then after recording, I was like, oh, well, I don't really like being hands-on with artists that I don't want to work with. I love being hands-on hands on with artists I do like. Right. But when, you know, when you have someone that doesn't understand music at all and they're in there, and it, not to judge them, but it's not a super exciting thing to do. Right. Mm. You know, when you just stop, play, stop, play, have that sound. <laughs> not like last time yeah. <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to do that to people you know what i'm saying so then when i realized mixing uh you know mixers tend to make uh kind of the most money as far as on the engineering side of things go mm-hmm. too so you know that was always a goal um stay away from a nine to five but yeah so i just sh- continuously shifted up into that okay uh early in your career you uh had a studio shut down Mm-hmm. Can you tell us some of the lessons you learned in, in that happening? Well, when I say shut down, I just, I had got married to, um, you know, uh, she's not technically my ex-wife yet, but, you know, soon. I yes. got married to her, and when we left, we just decided not to keep doing it because it really wasn't making any money. Okay. Um, but it wasn't, like, necessarily, like, it failed. But it, it wasn't what I had hoped. Um, I had started a, a business, and I had the skill set, but I did not have, like, the perception if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I could mix, I could record all that stuff, but it wasn't designed right. It didn't look right. I didn't have the clientele. Um, and I'm a big, you know, uh, believer in if things aren't working to stop, mm. you know, it's not, oh, I put a whole year into this and all this money into it and it's not making right. any money. So I need to keep pushing through like, no, like up to a certain point. Yeah. You, you just have to be realistic. Yeah. Okay. And so um, I was like, I'll take everything that, that didn't work at that studio and just kind of use it as a lesson. And I know when I open up another studio, how I'll approach it. This wasn't the same studio that was a music factory. No, no, no. So I didn't own that. That was owned okay. by a guy named Keno Watson. And I just happened that's to right. be working there. Got it. Because that's why I first met you with uh, Bobby. Shout out to Bobby. That's right. Yeah, Bobby yeah, Brown. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, just going about, um, you said you learned those lessons. And I think that speaks to what you talked about earlier, being self-aware. Mm-hmm. Like some people just continue to make the same mistakes over mm-hmm. and over and over. So, you know, big up to you on that. 
Um, but the listeners definitely want to know what was your the first song that you received the production credit on. Um, so I mainly have been getting production credits later, but th- probably one of my favorite ones was a song I did for an artist named Giveon, who was just recently nominated for a Grammy for his album. Oh, big um, so early on in his career, when he had first, you know, um, got signed, a buddy of mine that does um, like some management for me set me up with it, and he needed this track redone. And so I brought in like Harvey Cummings and um, mm. CJ Mercer. You know, we brought all these guys in and we recreated the track. I did it with uh, Danny Hurley. And um, it uh, that was probably my favorite. And that was one of the first like bigger production credits. I got some small production credits on the Casey Veggie records where I went in and basically I was working for the producer and they had me go in and do like beat chops mm. and like little like ear candy effects and things like that. And I got okay. some production credit for that. So that was like the f- maybe the first industry record. Yeah, big up Mr. Cummings because we were at uh, 1501 and he was out there playing. Yeah, man. Yeah. I went to, well, I didn't go to high school with him. He marched in the band with me at high school, but I went to Central with him as well. Wow. All this musical connection, man. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of people will associate you with the baby. Um, and you did mention a few other artists that you, um, you know, worked with. Uh, Besides those guys, who else did you have mixed for and produced for? Uh, as far as in the industry goes or local or uh, anything in the industry. Well, you know, I think if if anybody was that knows me was to say who I'm associated with, it'd be Elevator J. Elevator J, Elevator J is, that's my guy. You know, I've, <laughs> I've mixed every project he's had starting with uh, going up. And then I didn't. I was living in Florida for a year on the uh, No 13. And every project after that I've mixed. I've recorded them all. Um, yeah. That's my guy. I, I still believe in his music. I think he's got some of the best music. I will put him up singing-wise mm. against anybody in the city. Um, <laughs> if anybody sure. wants to know, out of all the songs that you've ever heard you know, on an Elevator J project, there's not one lick of auto-tune at all. Not one. There's not pitch correction at all on it, and that's almost unheard of with a lot of artists. So his ears is amazing, and his production is amazing. So um, him, um, I've been doing a lot of work for a guy named Buddy out in L.A., mm-hmm. and a lot okay. of people know him. Um, him and, and an artist named Kent Jams, which is one of his best friends. So um, I really like their music, though. So how did that relationship first form between you and Elevator J? Uh, it's through a good friend named Mark Williams. Mm-hmm. I went to high school with one of my best friends. Um, he's just an all-around great person. A lot of people know him, but um, we were hanging out where, I think it's where Benny's is, you know, Heist Brewery and Benny's. Mm-hmm. There used to be like a little lounge over there in Noda when Noda, you know, before it was kind of developed. And they had a pool table in there, and I just used to always go shoot pool. And my buddy Mark was like, hey, Jay raps, you know, why don't you, why don't you guys do music together? And when he came in, he was the first artist that I dealt with that sounded like what I grew up listening to, which was just Outkast and 3-6 Mafia. So, like, that's all. Big up all Triple Six, <laughs> right? Big up the Triple like, Six. The show. And I'm 34, but you know what I mean? Growing up in, in, in Charlotte at the time, because uh, Power 98, they'd play, like, New York stuff, and they'd play, like, R&B, and it, it was cool, but it was mainly R&B. And then 92.7 came out. And they kind of brought some more stuff from the South. And that was exciting, too. But before that, I was getting, like, Outkast CDs or, um, you know, uh, 3-6 Mafia. I was getting, like, 3-6 Mafia mixtapes and, and stuff. But, yeah, so he sounded like that. And I was just super excited. And um, it just kind of grew from there. Hmm. Well, I definitely got to ask, how nice is your pool game? Yeah. Well, it was. <laughs> if you get me on, like, a little six-foot table at a bar, you know, with some drunk people, I'll drink all night. But, yeah. You know what I mean? I hadn't, I hadn't played in a couple of years, so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I ain't going to say I'm I'm the best, but no, I, he, he, he nice. I, I like <laughs> to play. I, dab, I dabble in it. <laughs> uh, so uh, I want to go back on the baby real quick. So um, 
How did you feel when we reached back out to you to mix Kurt? Because, you know, he, you did Baby on Baby before. Right. And then he came back to you actually to mix Kurt. How do you feel about that? Were you surprised by that or? Um, yes and no. Mm. Because one thing I'll say about the baby is I have the utmost respect for him as a person. Um, you know, he, I used to go get, he would pay me to mix records and I'd meet him behind a McDonald's on in uh, North Lake Mall. You know what I mean? And I've seen him in that stage where he was like grinding and then you know he used to come to the house um when we'd finish up projects and he's always been this really stand-up person and this very um like he always paid me on time is very smart very articulate you know I, and so i always said you know once he gets to that that stage i understand that there's levels to this like i do this i i had some plaques before i started dealing with him and i get it you know sometimes you don't have control over those things and i thought maybe you know, um, if worse comes to worse, the f label will force him to use somebody that they use. Um, so when he did come back to me, yeah, it was it was awesome. But they kept the A&R and the uh, and his manager, Carter, kept hitting me like, hey, what's going on with these mixes? And I was like, oh, I haven't got these sessions. I haven't got these sessions. They're like, OK, we'll get them sent to you. And then every like day they'd hit me up. Hey, what's an update on the mixes? I'm like, you're not sending me the sessions. Where are these? You know, and so like. It got up to the point where there was maybe three days before it, like the absolute deadline had to be. Jeez. And they called me and they were like, hey, we're coming over. We got to mix this, you know? So it felt really good that they still wanted to use me and do it. But like the way that the process, yeah, the process of it, it really, really strained what I perceived as could have been the quality mm -hmm. of it. But that's a part about being in this industry too. Sometimes you have two days. It's like, do you, are you going to do it or are you not? Right. Cause we're going to call somebody else is going to do this in two days. You know, they didn't come at me like that, but that's how it works. Right. Like, it's not going to be like, oh, this isn't getting done. It's like, yeah, this is about to get done. <laughs> 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 so I would rather be the one that does it. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. But it, it felt good. You know, it was nice. It was good to see him, too. You know, he'd, he'd been touring and doing all this stuff. And he came with his uh, daughter mm. and um, and his lady. And, or uh, I don't know how it works, but <laughs> his daughter's mother. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, yes. So, yeah, man, it, it was just really cool. It was good to have him in there. Yeah, nice, man. Well, big up that, you know, the city sticking together. Mm -hmm. We all about that. Right. So can you explain the significance of a Portuguese artist named Virgil and the Casey Veg Veggies track tied up? All right. So, uh, Vergul. Vergul. I'm not, like I said. <laughs> I mean, I still, on a little bit I of Portuguese. I don't know what that song is about. <laughs> I think it's, it's called I Don't Know. So okay. I had to mix that song based on, like, I don't know, just what I thought it sounded like. But, um, so... That was something that was set up through Warner Music Portugal. And there was a guy that really kind of put me on in the first half of my industry career, a guy named uh, Vinay. And Vinay was a, or is a producer, I'm not sure if he's still signed to, but for APG, which is a really heavy hitting songwriting production camp owned by uh, Mike Karen. Okay. And so Mike Karen was one of the high ups at Atlantic Records. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, or Warner, uh, you know, I'm not sure. But, you know, they would kind of, like, curate what they were trying to do or these songs. So he, he was the first one that was putting me in place with a lot of people. And he's the one that, Vinay was the one that got me on with Kane. So Kane Beats was the first major producer that I worked for. And he did, like, Super Bass for Nicki Minaj, um, Right Above It, uh, Bottoms Up, those, those records, um, kind of in the late uh, 2000s. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and through that, I... I was working with Kane, and we did a bunch of records one night um, with a, an artist. Her name's PJ, but she was a writer for a long time for BMG. 
and um, I think I don't, don't let me say the wrong thing, but I think <laughs> it was BMG. Okay. And um, yeah, and so she cut tied up, mm. and um, when they sent it, when we sent it, who they have Dej Loaf redid it, hmm. and that was cool. But I always wish like people could have heard PJ's version because she's just an amazing, amazing writer, amazing singer. So yeah, all that kind of came from the connection that like my guy Vinay, he put me on through all those. So those came from that. Well, shout out to Nate, man. Yeah, Big man. Nate's the man. Okay. Um, I attended an event you had uh, earlier this year. You and Fannie Mae okay. uh, talked about a little bit of production and mixing and mastering. Um, you went in on about uh, talking about people recording two-track records mm-hmm. in that process. Uh, can you break down and talk about the ways that you want your skills to be utilized? Yeah, so uh, one, for the people that don't know it, two-track is like what we would listen to, a stereo wave um, or a stereo MP3. And so artists, they'll come in and they'll say, hey, I have this beat. And as an engineer, if I have each part of the beat, I can do a lot more. But if I don't, I'm stuck with how that two-track sounds. What do you mean by each, each part? part yeah. So kick drum, snare drum, hi-hat, uh, bass, guitars, keys, synths, you know. Um, and as an engineer, if I can manipulate each sound, I can really blow it out of the water. But, um, yeah, so when I get the two tracks, I'm stuck with it. So if you have a good producer that's making good two tracks, it might be okay. It'll be all right. I can still do more with it, but it's okay. Like, on the baby's records, they're all two tracks because he likes that specific sound. But could I, you know, could engineers potentially blow it out of the water? Yes. Like, whoever you gave it to that's a professional engineer could probably do a better job. But it, it vibes. It goes number one, you know, so it's it's not make or break. But you but he's also dealing with great producers. So if you have a good producer, we can do it. If not, it doesn't matter how good I record your vocals, how good I mix it, you're going to sound like that bad beat. Mm-hmm. And that's what people will remember. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the significance of that, of like, or like with anything, if you, you have a painter and you're like, okay, I want you to paint this, but you can't like put primer down first. You know what I mean? You're like a tattoo artist, like that's doing a blowout over something instead of getting it removed first. You know, you're limited. It's not so detailed. Yeah. yeah. And what you're starting with is not ideal. Okay. So can you give us the rundown of Black Pearl Studios and what can the artists expect? So <clears throat> we recently closed Black Pearl Studios to the public. To the public, okay. Yeah, we moved locations. Mm-hmm. So we are now, uh, we have a location uptown um, near Romare Bearden Park. Um, and we're basically shifting over into trying to curate, you know, um, the sound of Charlotte. or trying to preserve the sound of Charlotte and trying to, um, you know, be a creative hub for the people that are doing things and less confined to, you know, um, covering overhead, if that makes sense. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, or, or running a business or running a, a commercial recording business. We want it to be a place where, like, you know, your elevator J's and your Eric Lotteries and your Lutes and, you know, all the people that we deal with um, or we're friends with. It's like, you know, I know people do things in other places, but, um, you know, just where we can all come together and where other people can come together and network and fellowship with them too. We're going to be throwing some events and things like that, some mixers as well as master classes to try to educate the people that are around here because there's just not a lot of access. So we've kind of shifted over to that as opposed to um, the commercial recording facility where you could, you know, book by the hour. So, so I got a question um, about the Charlotte Sound. In your opinion, what is the Charlotte Sound? Could we have like a, a wider range? Could you have your Daneros? Right. Like you say, you have your Elevator Jays mm-hmm. and your Lottery. So what is like? What's the what's our sound here in Charlotte? Um, that's a good question. I think it depends on what area you're from mm-hmm. because you know I'm I'm from the east side of Charlotte. Um, you know. Uh, 
sometimes I might vibe out with a little more of like the guys that are coming from Idlewild. I'm from like Idle. You know where the Big Gold Building is on Independence. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Sharon Amity, Albemarle, Idlewild. Um, I grew up there. I still live over there. And so that might be a little bit different sound than the people that you're getting like Jay and them. You know, because they have that complete different dialect off LaSalle, off Betty's Ford. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and if I was to like put a finger on it, I would say the closest thing to how Charlotte feels is Elevator J. When you're driving around 277 with the windows down at night, Elevator J's music sounds like that. When you're seeing the city, whatever color it decides to be that night, you know, it's not fast, it's not slow, it's, it's kind of right there in the middle. And um, uh, yeah, I, I really think Jay is the sound. Charlotte, to me, now you've got the baby too. That's true. You know, we got a, a mainstream sound that's, but he's his is very unique, you know. Um, so I don't know. It, it's like it, a soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scoring the city yeah. like. And loot's good. Loot's like I always feel like loot stuff is like when I'm really just having like an introspective day. Right. And like I'm like staring at it. Like sure. it might be raining a little bit, you know, and I'm just <clears> happen to be uptown or something, and like loot would be playing in my head. And, you know, De Niro, those guys, Eric Lottery, he's not from Charlotte, but he's really embraced the city. He's also made like a lot of content. A lot of songs that involve areas in the city, which I really appreciate, like the Summer on Central Project, uh, Ghost. So if you're from the South Side, like Nations Ford area, South Side Ghost. Oh man, this stuff's crazy. You know, um, it's a little bit different vibe too. But I've been spending a lot more time down on, in that area, and it feels like how he raps. So it's a different vibe than the East Side that I know, or where I went to high school in the West. You know what I mean? It's that's their pace. So it just depends on who you are and what you like. I think. Nah, I, I love how you just laid that out because it's giving Charlotte a depth that Correct. it hasn't mm-hmm. had in you know recent years. Mm-hmm. Now, when people listen to this episode, they'll be like, they'll go look at a Southside Ghost. They'll go look for these artists and be like, yeah, I can hear what Kevin was saying. So, man, that's... Yeah. At least yeah. that, I mean, I'm from here, you know, so I yeah. perceive it a little bit different, you know. But um, music is subjective. It's, that's true. You know, it's very true. You can listen to it however you want. There's no rules to it. But hopefully you can listen to someone else's perspective on it. And maybe it gives you some more insight as to where it's coming from and why it is, you know. So. So I'll make a little slight shift. So enlighten our listeners on why you want to start an alpaca farm. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, alpaca farm, at, at the time, I was trying to decide if I was going to move farther into the city or, or more away from it. And my kids were really, really, really into it. And I'd visited some just randomly when I was out on the West Coast a few years ago. Mm. And something about being around them, it was really, really nice. Um, I also have been trying to open up things like maybe not music related, but where um, like for people that are handicapped or, or young kids could come. So I would just basically wanted to cover its overhead, but I think it would be just a way to have something that my kids would like where other people could come and enjoy it and, and just be around some cool animals. Like, alpacas are cool if y'all never been around them. I haven't been like, with them. <laughs> they, you know, they're, they're kind of big, but um, they'll, like, eat out of your hand. If they kick you, it doesn't kill you like a horse or something <laughs> like that. They've got padded feet, you know. Um, they're, they're decent animals to have around. But right now I'm thinking I'm going to stay more towards in the city. In the city. So, um, yeah, I'm just keeping my options open. Cool. Really. Now, I think that'd be dope because I actually work in education and okay. I know there's some, you know, let's say the disabled kids that do kind of play therapy mm-hmm. and doing stuff with animals. I know a lot of students go to um, Ladder Plantation and do stuff out there. So I think that'd be yeah. dope. It's definitely something that's necessary. For sure. For sure. I had a um, my sister-in-law in, in my last relationship. She she had cerebral palsy and she was like, you know, completely wheelchair bound. And I just 
there's not a lot of options of things for people like that to do. Yeah. And it's like they can go to a school where they color a little bit and do this, but you know what I mean? There's like, I know, I know there are places that cater to that, but I just haven't seen one that's like alpacas and, and this and that. And, and anytime she got to do anything, uh, I loved Winnie to death, but, you know, she would just light up. And when you see people like that and how much it, it kind of helps them in their situation, it's like, well, if I have the ability to, I would like to help. Yeah. And that's kind of where that, that thought came from. So. Yeah, no, big up on that. Um, so how did Full Sail University lead to the opportunity you had at School of Sonics? Okay, so School of Sonics is now. So the thing, Full Sail, um, I went there when I was a music industry major at North Carolina Central. I was there for five years. And I was like, okay, well, I feel like from North Carolina, I may not be able to get into like big studios or, or make the connection. So let me go to Full Sail. It was an 11-month program. I only did half of it. And then from there, I met at the time a guy who was probably my best friend while I was there, Jerry Edward. And um, <clears throat> Jerry went on to get his master's degree, and he moved out to L.A. Jerry's from Long Island. And uh, shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, Massapequa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, a bit out of East. Yeah, I know yeah. that. Um, so Jerry went out to L.A. and started working for different labels. He worked for Pharrell for a long time. He's still really good friends with them. Um, and while he was doing that, I was kind of living life and, and figuring out what I had to do. And then when he finally got in a position where he could kind of use me for a situation is when I first got like the Casey veggie plaques and the, the very plaques. And I just opened up the new studio. So like 2016, he had reached out to me. And then from there, Jerry and I have been, he's just, you know, anytime he has bigger records and he works for a company called electric field and, um, they oversee like a lot of really, really big producers. And so they're always touching like post Malone stuff and, uh, Ian Dior and 24 karat golden and all those guys. Um, so, yeah, so he just kept that going, and, and as that went along, the stuff with the baby happened. And then the guy that runs School of Sonics is was the former assistant to a guy named Jason Joshua. So the guy who runs School of Sonics is Maddox, and Maddox was Jason Joshua's assistant. And Jason Joshua mixes, like, everything, urban, Heard that name urban pop. Or I don't know if it's considered urban pop anymore, but whatever that genre is where it's, like, top 40 crossover you know, where it could go on, you know, the hip-hop R&B stations or the pop stations. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like a lot of Beyonce stuff, um, all of Mike Will's things, DJ Mustard at the time, uh, Jason Joshua, you know, he's like top five. Um, anyway, so Maddox mixes or moved to Atlanta and started this, but he also mixes too. He mixes like the 21 Savage Project, um, the one before, the one that just came out. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, the one that, uh, the Grammy-nominated one. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, a lot was on there, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah, so he mixed that. and um, But he, he does a lot of stuff, too. But, yeah, he reached out to me and was like, hey, man, I'm just trying to get some other, you know, cool engineers on here to talk about stuff. And and it just worked out like that. So, basically, all the things that have happened from Full Sail that I, of, through the people that I've met have put me in positions to be credible enough to use me. Because I think that's another thing in the music industry. It's like they're looking for you to be, like, credible yeah. you know it doesn't everybody's good you know for the most part but it like who have you worked with what have you done you know what i mean and and at one at some point people you either had to come up with somebody like the baby or or it doesn't have to be that big but you know what i mean like anybody to where you're like okay i'm getting some industry credits or somebody has to take a risk and put you on mm. you know and jerry was one of the guys while i was kind of working this other angle he took a risk and put me on over here too and all that together is what led to being able to be on school of sonics I think that speaks a lot about you, though, and I want the listeners to really take this in. You know, 
networking and really being oh, yeah. a good person because I, I know there's times where people may meet new people and they kind of give them a bad vibe mm-hmm. so they won't even get this opportunity that you have. So, right. man, that's just a full circle yeah. right there. Well, I think uh, networking in life is is what's super important. Um, a lot of people, you also can't skip the journey. Uh, if, if, if you've never done anything on a high level, um, you don't understand what it's like to practice from nothing into something and how long that might take. And networking is the same way. You know what I mean? You have to continuously do those. You have to learn how to be cool and, and like how to have a beer with someone if they drink beer, but how to have a coffee with someone if they don't. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? How to go grab food and how to be in that situation or, you know what I mean, how to pull up to a cookout somewhere and, you know, and and blend into that situation as well. Yeah. Just because, like, people only want to work with who they're comfortable around. Yeah. People right. only want to work who with who they're friends nice. with, you know, and, and the more honest of a person you are and the more adaptable of a person you are, the more that that helps. So... Um, Big message with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, all the listeners, definitely the old listeners know, the new listeners will find out. Mm-hmm. I was born in the UK, so London to be exact. Mm-hmm. And you're a big British Neo Soul fan. Right. So who are you tapped into at the moment? Um, so I'm kind of, I'm at a different stage in my life right now. <laughs> now the British stuff is great, um, but it's really, to me, like I was really into like Georgia Smith, yeah, uh, yeah. Mahalia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pip Millet, she's not quite as known, but um, she's she's really really dope too. And um, you know, I had been in a really bad personal situation for the time, and like that's what I that was really like resonating with me a lot. And so now I'm like in a different place, and I don't, you know what I mean? I'm trying to figure out really like what's what's the soundtrack of my life currently. Well, yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah, but I I do love that stuff. Um, but I my buddy Complexion. He um he runs this the Future Beats show on SoundCloud. I would highly recommend it. They do an episode every week, but it's like it's from all over the world. It's but I really tap into a lot of the stuff that he has coming out of there. Um, it's just a great vibe. Word. And um yeah, so DJ Complexion, uh, I would highly recommend the Future Beats show if you guys are ever bored and, and want to listen to some stuff. Oh nah, you, ju- you dropped yeah, the gym just now. <laughs> yeah. like, like, you know you you want to know where the source, the plug, like where it's like a lot of the new stuff that I'm getting is coming from. It's from there. Word. So yeah. But it's cool. more songs than it. I haven't found like one artist. It's more like this song, this song, this song. This yeah, song. yeah. So tell us your experience uh, talking to fourth graders about the music industry, and we got a big up Miss Davis. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Miss Davis. She um, she actually didn't march with her in school. I don't think. Mm. I think she was a little bit younger than me. But we're um, I'm in a, a band fraternity, Kappa Kappa Psi, and, and she's TBS uh, Tau Beta Sigma. And any time that someone within, you know, within the bond like that reaches out to you, you try to help them out if you can. Mm. And so she just contacted me and said, hey, you know, I've had uh, I had somebody cancel today. We're trying to talk to music industry for professionals to the kids that I teach music to. And I'm, I'm always down for that. Like, I'll go do career days and things like that, because, like, I never knew that you could do this in music or I never knew it was like this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know you could teach music or you could be a musician and things like that. But if I had learned earlier on, I probably would have went this route earlier. So it, w- it was good. They asked a lot of questions, a lot of good questions. Um, they were more into production than engineering, mm. which makes sense because it's a little bit more, you know, interesting to some people. But, you know, they want to see, like, the keyboards and things like that. But, um, yeah, it, it, it was cool. They they had some good questions, and they were all really, really smart and well-behaved kids. So I didn't mind at all. Cool. Okay. Yeah. As we covered earlier in the podcast, you're friends with two past guests we had, uh, Elevator J. Mm-hmm. And DJ Fannie Mae. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some stories or, or experiences with these guys and, and females? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Well, I've, I've definitely spent a lot more time with Jay. 
you know, I've spent 10 years with Jay. I talked to Jay on the phone this morning. Um, we had a good conversation. So, um, and there's going to be some, a lot more stuff coming out from Jay in the future here. But, uh, so I met Fannie Mae when I worked at Guitar Center. I worked at Guitar Center in 2013 for a few months, the end of it. Um, and she came in and she was looking for, like, I think an auto-tune, um, like a physical one that you could use live. And so, like, we were going over and seeing that, and I don't know if it ever came, but she's one of those people that's very, like, uh, that people gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. It's like, you look at her, and it's like, oh, this is, like, a, a celebrity or something, you know? Sure. She just, like, dresses cool, and, and <laughs> but when you talk to her, she's super cool, right. you know? Great and, energy. Uh, yeah, she's got, she's got yeah, really yeah. good energy, but she's cool. It's it's like, oh, man, she's, like, real cool. And, uh, yeah, and I, and I think we just, she had happened to come back a couple times, and we had talked about it, uh, talked about some things, and I think... She might have uh, pulled up on me once or twice when I was working at Maximus um, over off of Griffith near the Gentleman's Club right, in, right. on the south. Yeah, I think she came to the studio a couple times up there. And, um, yeah, so I don't have a whole lot of stories about her because we didn't really do that. But with Jay, I mean, uh, one time we went in a Chick-fil-A on the way to Atlanta, and it was like a record stopped, and that was fun. Um, <laughs> we... Uh, we went in that one Chick-fil-A where everybody had us on, like, plaid shirts. It was me, um, Miko, if you guys know, um, Mike, Mike mm -hmm. Little. He uh, he's, an, he's an amazing human being, but he's, you know, he's from Charlotte. He's from LaSalle Street. That and, um, yeah, um, anybody that knows him knows he's, he's a world-class human being. So, But we were down there with him, and then my buddy Brandon, who was, um, he d did a lot of work. He was working for Rock Nation. He was director of A&R over there. But at the time, we were going down to Patchwork in Atlanta to do some work, and we just walked in this Chick-fil-A one time, and it's like the whole thing stopped <laughs> and looked at us. We were all dressed in black. We had on, like, black hoodies, and they were all, like, light pink polo shirts, and, like, everybody's, <laughs> like, their shirts were tucked in their britches. You know what I'm saying? They had on dress shoes. I don't even know what day of the week it was. <laughs> but, yeah, they just, like, everybody watched us while we ordered food. You know? <laughs> oh, man. And we love, you know, stuff like that, and – um you know, anybody that's ever been to, like, Player Made or Squirt. Right. Or, Big O. You know. We need some, that. We Missing need that right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, yeah, we, we, we've done it, man. We've traveled a lot of places. We've been to, like, Boone. We go record there. We go record in Atlanta and Durham. We we did a whole EP in a day one time in Durham, the side E. Okay. Uh, if anybody's an Elevator J fan, they've got um, – he's got, like, a an obscure um, – I guess EP for lack of a better term, we, we recorded four or five songs that day and they were all kind of like not normal elevator J stuff. But, um, yeah, man, he was working that weekend. Um, we were taking turns like I was passed out and then my other buddy would go in there and record them and stuff like that. And what year was this around? Uh, 2012. Okay. All right. 2011, 2012. Yeah, it was still early. Uh, Hornets in this time too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's worth it. If, if anybody wants to go back and, and look up some cool stuff, but yeah, think side e is what it's called so all right well at this moment in time we have reached the most popular segment of jack of all space clt it's called top five dead or alive top shout out jada kiss so mr kevin mr black pearl what are the top five studios you have worked at man uh so disclaimer i'm not in the biggest studios in the world. I do the majority of my work from home on a laptop with headphones on in my boxer yeah. shorts. Well, that's number one. Yeah. Yeah. That's number one. <laughs> that's number one. The crib. Yeah, the crib. So, like, I'll be honest with you, like, the crib. Yeah. But um, I really, so the places I like are vibey. Um, so, like, plush in Orlando. And it's more for the people that are there. So, like, Ian, like my buddy Ian, he's a great engineer. Um, he's always there when I go. A plush is a good one. 
I like um, I like Appalachian State. Um, I'm really they have an amazing program up there and amazing studio. Would have never um, guessed. Yeah, yeah. So Scott Wynn up there is an incredible um, professor. So if anybody that's in high school and they're thinking about going to a college or university to study, you know, this, I would highly, highly recommend Appalachian State University. Incredibly. Yeah, message um, right there. Yeah. So, and they have a great, great facility and it's very affordable. So for anybody in the area, I think you can get like a day rate for close at the time. I'm not sure what it is now, but it was like 250 bucks for like a 24 hour block. Wow. But they have, you know, quarter million dollar board, you know, super wow. industry standard mics. Equi- I mean, tons of equipment. It looks the part, too. If you want to take pictures, it's worth 250 bucks just to take pictures. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Appalachian State. Um, I had a really fun time at Blackwood Studios in L.A., and we did the HD Ben Dope project there. But it, the room we were in looked like a pirate ship. Wow. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just weird. We zoned out in there. And then... Was that three, four? I think that was four. four. And then I don't. I do like um, I do like Gat Three here in Charlotte. Like especially if you're working with Wade Wade Starnes, he's an amazing engineer. So if anybody's in the area and, and they were looking for you know like a, a big big studio to go to, Gat Three, I'd recommend and ask for Wade. Where's the location of that? That's off uh, Clanton Road. Okay. Okay. Is that fairly uh, new? Presley Drive. No, no, no. They've been around for a long time. Okay. Yeah, but they of. Uh, they deal with all genres of music, you know, but um, I think uh, initially they were doing a lot more bands, a lot more um, like gospel choirs, university things. But now, they, I mean, they do a ton of hip hop. They do. Um, yeah, man, they're they they have a really nice facility over there. I think that's a, a cool spot. Okay. So, nice, nice. You mentioned um, in, the, in the story with Jay, you mentioned that y'all were headed to Patchwork. That's um, right. What was your experience like there, knowing all the legendary people that have been through there and recorded there and things that have come about from there? Um. For me personally, like, it was cool because I was such an Outkast fan. Right. They'd done so many, like, albums there, you know. We were in kind of, um, I don't know what the numbers are, but we were in the middle level, so the gray room. And mm-hmm. it, um, I don't really get studio, um, what's the word? Uh, Starstruck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> because some people can. Now, there yeah. has been a time, like, I dropped the mix off to a big engineer one time, and I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But going in the studio, it's just like, whenever I go somewhere, even if I haven't been there, I try to act like I have. Uh, you know, and not like try to be arrogant about it, but it's like I don't take pictures with people, you know, because gotcha. I consider myself to be on that level, you know, yeah. even if I'm not. But some etiquette. Right. right. And so if I'm in the studio, like I came there to work with you, like we came here to do something. So I'm not going to be like, hey, man, come get a picture with me so that I can advertise to the rest of the world. Like, I know I was there with you. Yeah. I know we talked. You know what I'm saying? And I, I don't I don't need that. So I kind of feel that way sometimes about studios too like you'll go in studios and like oh this band made this here but you know i've seen stuff that went number one that was made in like a hotel room that you would Mm -hmm. never know that it was cut in that hotel room too so it's yeah that's you know behind the music site right 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 it's you know whatever what it's anything goes so uh, but it was it's nice it's nice to go in those places it's really cool to know that you know that you're somewhere where where the stuff that's influenced you was created right right well, yeah, I got two two more questions that I want to ask because sure. I heard you reference some of the music that you like. So you said Outcast, then you said Three Six, and just through this whole podcast episode, hearing your story, and I, I liken it, I liken it to one of their um, albums, one of my favorite albums from them, the most known, unknown. So sure. do you feel like that? Like you're very known in some circles, but like to the whole, let's say the grant. I mean, even Grammy non- nominated. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like there's some people that still don't kind of give you your just due? 
Man, I honestly don't care. <laughs> no, I like that answer. Well, now you you got to remember too, like, um, not to relate it back to this, but I, I went through a really really rough personal uh, situation, mm-hmm. and I had to heal from it. Yeah. And part of when you when you start to you know mindfulness and self care is that yeah I was doing it because of this one situation, but now it trickles down into everything. I think one of the biggest things for me um, is. I don't, a thirst for validation early on, you know, um, I was in very competitive areas. Like if anybody knows the marching band world, mm-hmm. especially like traditional marching bands in high school or HBCU marching bands, it's incredibly prideful and uh, constant, you know, competitive and you have to be on your toes. You know, you never know when, when you may have to, um, you know, just step to somebody or, or anything, you know, just play somebody out in the street. You know, you might see somebody at a mall. It's wild. But, um, so with that being said, you know, I, I did want that a lot of times, and I think that's what drove me initially. But once I did get those things, and you're like, okay, this is a plaque, and this is a plaque, and then part of it is when I'm not able to do me about it, it took some of the the greatness out of it or what I perceived as would be amazing because a lot of times it's like, yes, this sounds amazing. You did a great job, but make it sound how it sounded. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they, they sort of diminished – in, in all situations that I deal with, like with labels, it's sort of like they take you down a notch to, to because it's their product. You're providing a service. You know, you don't want to, you know, you, yeah, that's your sauce. And you might like that better, but that doesn't mean that it is better or they like it. But I still felt like, hey, I can do more. So once that started happening, I was like, okay, now I just need to make sure that, like, I figure out what I want in life, you know, what's comfortable for me. And worrying about other people or worrying about how known I am or how recognized I am became less and less of a priority. Hmm. Yeah, I feel that. Then uh, the second thing is we we definitely see you, but is there like somebody that's with you, like a team, like who? who oh yeah. Do you, okay, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, first and foremost, my my homie Danny, Danny Hurley, D Hurl. Anybody oh that knows God. him, big up, yeah. big up, D Hurl. D Hurl is is a uh, is another one of those just amazing human beings. Yeah. Um, and. He really helps as far as a friend to play devil's advocate and to ground me when I'm going through what I've gone through or when I'm just dealing with like normal day-to-day stuff, trying to make decisions as well as he's a great mixer. He's a great producer. Um, he won't tell you this, but he's an amazing singer. He might be the songbird <laughs> of our generation, right? I've heard that. So if you need some background <laughs> vocals and you ever record with Danny, see if he'll drop a few for you. Um, yeah. Um, so that, uh, you know, Miko, um, Mike Little, he's always always been there. Um, you know, um, DJ A. Huff, all the homies, uh-huh. Eric Lottery, um, you know, Shome, Southside Ghost, Mullet, um, Trey, and Ryu, he's a dope producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are, like, kind of, like, my base group of people. And Jay, Elevator Jay. Um, and everything that we do, a lot of times, like, Nobody's really intertwined, but we may move parallel with each other. And anytime we can do anything, um, we extend a, extend a hand here or, or, or something there. And we've got some really, really cool stuff coming out. Also, you know, my guy Brandon, my buddy Mark Eckert. Um, if anybody, if you guys don't know Mark Eckert, um, he's killing it in in what the music industry will be in 10 to 15 years. Um, so, yeah, he's um, yeah he's doing a great job. But he's based out of Charlotte. He went to high school here. Um and yeah, uh, sorry if I forgot anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm always kind of tapping into different areas and yeah. trying to just spread everything around if I can. Hey, 
listeners, there you have it. The wise words of Black Pearl. Um, Kev, please shout out all your socials so that people can tap into you and your movement. Yeah, so I'm only pretty much active on Instagram, and it's at Black Pearl Mixed It, M-I-X-E-D-I-T. And uh, reach out to me, hit me up. Uh, most of the time, I'm willing to work with anybody. It just depends on scheduling, um, and I'll try to be as up for it as I can, you know, transparent as I can about that. But, yeah, if, you, if you're looking for a new engineer, you're looking for a mixer or, you know, whatever, you just want to talk, just ask me a question, you know, I'll hit you back. Well, I'm sure once, you know, the episode comes out, there's going to be a lot more people reaching out yeah. Um, to, oh, to get in the studio. My bad. Congrats to y'all. Oh. <laughs> On the, uh, the, uh, the nerd. Queen's yeah. The nerd. Yeah. yeah. Congrats, man. Appreciate it. We, you know, we, so many people have done it before us, Correct. and we, we're just tapping in, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. We're, we tap into everybody. Like, right. we've had Elevate DJ. We've had DJ mm-hmm. Fannie Mae. Now we've got Black Pearl. We just tap into the, the greatness in the city. So there would be no, no article, no best podcast without y'all. Right. So 100%. I need to get Sianka on here, too. She's, a, she's super cool. Yeah, she okay. has an amazing music, but she's super cool. Word. Highly man. recommend. She'll make oh, that happen yeah. then. Yeah, we're going to reach out now. <laughs> look, we didn't even know. So, look, moments like that, that's that's what we're about. Cool. Damn. Listeners, look, I don't even know. Look, <laughs> I feel like every time we go through an episode, it's like a, a child to me. It's my favorite child. It's my favorite episode. Um, go ahead and give us a freestyle then. Well, you know I can't do that. <laughs> you know, I know my limitations. <laughs> but what I can do is tell you about all the streaming platforms that we're on. Hey. <laughs> Segway King. <laughs> Anchor.fm for all your streaming platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. Google Podcasts. Find us on SoundCloud. Find us on Spotify. And, of course, iHeartBreaker. Shout out Marlo, the man behind the camera. Go to the YouTube for the audio and the visuals. But you know what it is, man. I'm the beloved one. It's YBB, proud of Africa. Shout out Libya one more time. Shout out Libya one more time. Yep, Banks, Blue Water Banks. Then our special guests, find them on IG at Black Pearl Mixed It. Kevin McCluskey. Any uh, parting words, sir? May your dreams stay big and your worries stay small. Mm. Hey, big up. Yep. But y'all know how we do this, man. Shout out a tribe called Quest. Rest in peace, Fife Dog. Tell your mother, tell your father, send a telegram. And we out.